Welcome to the Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? We'll be joined by RotoWire's Jerry Donabedian. What a piece of that championship! Put it in here. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Let's get it started with PJ. Welcome back in Fantasy Football Zone. It is PJ with you, and we are excited as week one is upon us here. Finally, the fantasy season is going to start after all the draft talk and all the previews we did. It finally counts coming up this week, and again, we're doing our best to help you out. Jerry Donabedi and rotowire.com. going to join us in a couple minutes to break out the matchups. First, though, I want to go over some interesting numbers for kickoff weekend that uh, that are out there that may actually help you out in fantasy determine, uh, maybe I'll go with this guy or not. going to start off with Tom Brady. Yeah, he is not a high priority in starting quarterback uh, this year, but you might want to take a look at him if you're doing daily fantasy or something like that because on opening weekend, Tom Brady has 34 touchdown passes in 16 career Week 1 games, and he needs only one touchdown against Pittsburgh on Sunday night to pass Peyton Manning for the second-most touchdown passes on opening weekend in NFL history. Drew Brees leads all players with 37 touchdowns in opening weekend. So Breeze and Brady, maybe the over-reliable ones you want to go with opening weekend as uh, they have been dominant in opening weekend starts. Okay, we'll go now to running back. And, you know, Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, who are you going to go with? It sounds like Peterson's going to be the starter in that. Now on opening weekend, Adrian Peterson has rushed for 999 rushing yards in 12 career season opening games. Of course, he just needs a yard on Sunday to get over 1,000 as they take on Philadelphia. If he does that, he's going to join Pro Football Hall of Famers Emmett Smith Walter Payton, Jim Brown, and Edron James with uh, over 1,000 yards rushing with that mark on opening weekend. So historically been pretty good for Adrian Peterson. So maybe, you know, he's down the pecking order on things. Lots, Maybe he's a desperate flex for you, but opening weekend has proven he's put up some pretty big numbers. Another guy you might think about is Deshaun Jackson, who had 147 receiving yards opening kickoff weekend last year with Tampa Bay. With five career games, he has had at least 100 yards receiving in week one. That is tied for second most all time on the opening weekend to Pro Football Hall of Famer Michael Irvin, who did that six times. So Deshaun Jackson, historically pretty good on opening weekend, and you might want to look for him in the flex or, again, another cheap option if you're playing daily fantasy. Another interesting note, Russell Wilson of the Seahawks, he has a chance to, uh, well, join an elite list this weekend with four touchdown passes Sunday against the Bengals, which could happen. The Bengals are pretty banged up, but we know Seattle likes to run the ball. But if Wilson can throw four of those on Sunday, he'll surpass uh, Tom Brady to become the fifth fastest player in league history to reach 200 career passing touchdowns. So that mark is on the horizon for Russell Wilson as well coming up this Sunday. So another thing for him to look at as they do this. And then Le'Veon Bell as well. He's going to make his New York Jets debut on Sunday against Buffalo. Bell has 7,996 career scrimmage scrimmage yards in 62 games. He needs four scrimmage yards to become the fastest player to reach 8,000 career scrimmage yards in league history. And if you think about that, he sat out all last season, so he could have broke that mark last year, but he still could become one of the youngest players in NFL history to reach 8,000 career scrimmage yards. Again, he only needs 62 against the Bills this week. So there's some of the interesting stats that are out there for week one. Again, they might help you determine some of these starters. Historically, that's what we go tend historic numbers, that's what we tend to go on on week one matchups. So again, maybe something you want to look at, especially in flex positions. And again, if you're playing daily fantasy. Now, joining PJ in the fantasy football zone, Rotowire's Jerry Donavidian. 
And once again, joined by RotoWire.com's Jerry Donabedian. And Jerry, we finally made it. Week one is here. We are excited for fantasy to start. Yeah, pretty excited here. Uh, and a good one to start off the Bears and Packers. Hard to complain about that, uh, especially seeing how the Packers' new offense looks. And, and that kind of piggybacks of something we talked about last week. Not the unknowing of how this offense is going to work. Well, they're going to have a heck of a test against Chuck Pagano and that Bears uh, defense. And, I mean, Pagano has had Aaron Rodgers' numbers in games uh, back to when he was a Colts coach as well as the head coach there. So, I mean, it'll be interesting, nice chess match, I guess, right away to start things off. Yeah, definitely getting thrown into the fire there for Rodgers and LaFleur. Uh, I'm also interested to see the Bears, how they adjust without uh, Vic Fangio now that he's the head coach in Denver. I think I do think that Pagano is a very good coach, very good defensive coach, certainly. Uh, but I think there's going to be some drop-off there. Now they're, you know, they're carrying over a lot of their old stuff, and the Packers are bringing in something totally new. So I would expect the adjustment there to work in the Bears' favor in terms of having a little bit less change. So that's a good one to kick off week one, of course, with Thursday night. But I, I want to revisit some of the cut-down day stuff that happened because <laughs> it got wild. It was a little slow at first, but then all of a sudden the Texans decided we're going to be trading everybody. They lose on defense with Clowney. I, I, I know they didn't want to pay him, but that talent, you're losing him. They do game with Tunzel, and I know with the draft picks and everything they gave up, it was a ton, but... That line does get better now. I mean, that's got to help the value of, like, Duke Johnson. Yeah, it's funny. The Texans really, they really went for it. Uh, and this was kind of all offseason. They had, you know, sort of had this hoard of cap space, about $40 million, And this, you know, star young quarterback and J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. And everyone's kind of wondering, like, why don't you spend some money and bring in some help for the <laughs> offensive line and for the defense? So I guess they, maybe that was their plan all along. Maybe they panicked. Uh, whatever the case, though. Certainly, and whatever the the future implications, which I think, you know, unless they win a Super Bowl here in the next couple of years, there might be some regret. But whatever the case, in terms of the team that's going to be on the field these next few weeks, that certainly got a lot better when you're bringing in Laramie Tunzel, Kenny Stills, uh, and the smaller move, Carlos Hyde. Yep. Uh, not, not someone who has a lot left in the tank, but the guys that he's coming in instead of that they had working before in the preseason were like undrafted rookie types. So at least you're getting a little experience there. Now, how much do you think Hyde's going to cut into the uh, production of uh, Duke Johnson? Yeah, that's the big question. I, I mean, I think he, I think he has to get some work. If you look at their depth chart, it's Johnson Hyde. And then the other two guys, Buddy Howell and Taewon Jones are like career special teams players. Like that's a pretty clear signal that Hyde is the backup. I, I would still expect Johnson to get more work. Certainly week one, he's had a few more weeks to learn the offense. He's a much more versatile player and, truth be told, just a better player. Mm -hmm. I think anything Hyde can do, Johnson can do. And then on top of that, Johnson also offers more ability as a receiver out of the backfield, working from the slot. Uh, all those kinds of fun things that, especially if you're going to throw the ball around a lot, are really valuable. But certainly I think Hyde will at least take a handful of carries. And uh, who knows, that might include goal line work, which would be Disappointing for all those people that have uh, spent a pick on Duke Johnson here. Yep, my hand is raised on that in multiple leagues. <laughs> yep, big believer in him, but uh, yeah, I don't want to take away those goal line scores potentials. Well, if you got him, uh, if you got him a few weeks ago, back when he was still with the Browns, then you don't really care. You already yeah. you already netted yourself a, a big win on that in terms of value, anyway. Mm -hmm. 
Well, LaShawn McCoy. I mean, this affects a couple backfields here. The Buffalo backfield now, Singletary looks like he might be rising up along with Frank Core. And then now he goes, LaShawn McCoy goes to Kansas City. And, you know, obviously he's going to be the backup there. And there's some discussion, you know, how much, though, is he going to play? Is he going to get seen some significant time? He is older. He was not as dynamic as he was last season. Yeah, I, we'll start with the Kansas City situation. How do you think he's going to cut into Damian Williams there? Yeah, that was the McCoy thing was very interesting. Was it was pretty, pretty much in quick order. Like in the morning, he got cut by Buffalo, and by like mid afternoon, was signing with Kansas City. And I was actually in Philadelphia visiting a friend and doing a live draft, uh, and so trying to like sort out how this affects two different teams. And yeah. then the Texans are doing all kinds of things. <laughs> yes, I'm like trying to put together a bagel to eat and just like. <laughs> watching a college football game. It's just like chaos. Um, so, yeah, I think the – really, I think the one that everyone has been talking about is Kansas City because there were such such high hopes for Damian Williams and what he could do with a consistent workload, largely because Andy Reid, just whatever running backs he has worked with, has pretty much worked magic in terms of getting their ball into the hands and open space, touchdowns, uh, just really creating easy yards and easy fantasy points. Uh, now, it's, there's a little question about – how those points and yards are going to be divided between Williams, Darwin Thompson, and McCoy. I tend to think that they've talked up Williams as a starter. He earned the job last year. He'll still be the starter. Uh, but certainly you don't pay LaShawn McCoy $4 million just as injury insurance. Like he's going to, whether it's this week or next, it's, it's not going to be long before he's taking on some work. Uh, I guess the question is whether he's cutting out of what would have gone to Darwin Thompson the backup, or if he's also cutting into Williams' work. I, th- I think it's you definitely have to downgrade Williams in terms of the rankings just because there is that possibility that he loses the job to McCoy or that it's closer to a 50-50 split. Uh, but I'm, I'm not panicking, and I say that as someone who had Damian Williams in a lot of leagues. Maybe I wouldn't have drafted him where I did if I had known they were going to add McCoy, but I'm, I still have him in my starting lineup. Now, over to the Buffalo side of things, I mean, it is Buffalo. <laughs> like I've been saying on these shows, I'm not expecting a whole lot from this Buffalo offense, but again, it's another now new starter opportunity out there that you can grab a starter. Do you think it is Devin Singletary there, or do you think uh, Frank Gore is going to really cut into that? Yeah, it's, it's funny, uh, to your point, that uh, you know not really high expectations for the Buffalo backfield. I think all the McCoy stuff may end up having more impact on Buffalo, but for fantasy terms, Kansas City is obviously the more interesting team. Well, really, really for any terms, Kansas yeah. City is the more interesting team, yes. let's be honest. Yes. Uh, unless you're a Bills fan, you're probably not going to be going out of your way to watch too many of their games. No. Uh, the, the Chiefs, very much the opposite, very entertaining. Uh, but, yeah, I think McCoy probably left more carries behind in Buffalo than he will get in Kansas City. Yeah, definitely have to look at Singletary, Gore, and Yeldon, probably in a three-way timeshare to start. But there's no there's no guarantee of that lasting. Certainly, uh, if the rookie Singletary is great, I think you know he'll kind of push Gore out of the picture. And opposite, if he struggles, it could be more more and more Gore. So I think with Yeldon getting some of the catches there, that's a tough one to project. Singletary is the upside play, but even then, you're looking at probably not a high scoring offense, and probably even if he you know moves ahead of Gore, clearly he's still going to be losing some of those. Uh, pass-catching work to Yeldon. Not really a situation I'm aggressively trying to target or get any uh, investment in. Now, what are some other moves that you saw that, uh, you know, they weren't on the grand scale as big as these moves, but some that, may, you know, might affect some fantasy uh, values out there? 
Yeah, so some of some of the things I look for is just in terms of the numbers game, like what what teams keep what numbers of players in position. So one thing we saw was that the Cardinals kept seven wide receivers and only two tight ends. Uh, now Cliff Kingsbury, coming out of college, was known for his air raid offense that used four wide receiver formations about sixty percent of the time. Uh, but he came in in the preseason and he didn't use them at all. So there have been a lot of questions like, well, you know, it's the preseason. He doesn't want to show off his what he does that's different from what other coaches do. Uh, but then there's also some concern like, well, maybe he doesn't think the four-receiver thing translates to the NFL. And I would take this, you know, keeping most teams keep five or six receivers and three or four tight ends. So seven and two is really no other team did that. Uh, so I think that's a pretty clear signal that we're going to see some of those four-receiver formations, uh, which means the rookies, Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, could have a lot of chances to get on the field. Uh, even a veteran like Michael Crabtree or Demir Bird. So I think that's going to be, whether it works or not, I, I can't tell you, but I think they're mm-hmm. at least going to go for that high-flying, uh, pass-happy offense that we've all talked about so much throughout the offseason. Another one that I, it kind of interests me, we talked about it uh, closing the last week's show, was you know the deal in Pittsburgh where uh, Eli Rogers was trying to fight out uh, Switzer while Rogers gets cut, and now that situation, it looks like Switzer's going to be the slot man, and we said, well, James Washington probably isn't really going to figure into getting into the starting lineup. Does that change now a little bit because of those are you know swapped out, or is it because uh, those guys were slot guys anyways and it wasn't really going to matter where Washington was going to fall in that? I mean, I think it's not. I think the fact that they only kept the one slot guy suggests that, you know, if something happens with Switzer, let's say he gets injured, which has been an issue for him, or he just isn't good uh, and they get sick of him. If they, I think if the, you know, if they had kept Rodgers, then maybe that would be their backup mm-hmm. plan, whereas now you could say the backup plan is to move Juju back into the slot, which then opens up Washington to play outside. I still think Washington's best path to playing time is just that Moncrief struggles and they decide to go with the the young guy. But I think it does kind of free up a second pass. So, yeah, I would see it. That's definitely like an under-the-radar. Maybe people wouldn't associate those two players as having any impact on each other, but that, yeah, getting rid of Eli Rogers could ultimately pave a different path to playing time for James Washington. Anything else on cut-down day that really caught your eye? Yeah, a couple of things just real quick. Uh, the Ravens only kept three running backs. Uh, Kenneth Dixon, uh, he was cut with an injury settlement after he hurt his knee, mm-hmm. and they didn't decide to keep any of their younger, like, undrafted rookie types. So it's just uh, behind Mark Ingram, it's just Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, which is good for anyone who used a late-round pick on one of those guys. Uh, you know, one Mark Ingram injury, and suddenly both of them have fantasy value with no, no other real competition uh, now that Dixon is gone. Uh, and then the Dolphins kept five running backs plus a fullback. Hmm. I don't, I don't know that. I don't think any other team kept six running backs. Part of that is special teams value, uh, but I, I also think part of it is it kind of shows a lack of confidence in Drake and Balage, the guys that they have there. Uh, so whether it's like Miles Gaskin or Patrick Laird, who's like a total unknown, uh, I think they do have some like insurance policies on hand because they're not. Not sure about their running backs. Also, maybe not sure that their offensive line will block long enough for their <laughs> running backs not to get crushed in the backfield. And they are going for the number one pick this year. There's no doubt about it. So the tank is already uh, tanking yeah. is in progress. With, with that offensive line, they might want to keep like five quarterbacks and seven yeah. running backs yeah. on the roster. <laughs> 
Uh, running backs uh, for this week one, uh, what are some of the matchups that uh, you like here on paper going into this first week? I think the, the one that stands out above all is Chris Carson playing at home against the Bengals. Uh, the Seahawks are like a 9 or 10 point favorite. The Bengals last year gave up the second most fantasy points to running backs, about 4.8 yards per carry. And you just look at, you know, the, the Bengals being banged up. Mostly their injuries are on the other side of the ball uh, with you know, their left tackle, Cordy Glenn possibly being out, A.J. Green, the big one, out. Uh, but that just kind of will make it hard for them, I think, to stay keep pace with the Seahawks. And I think the Seahawks will be ahead and just be able to run the ball, which, as we saw last year, they led the league in run play rate. So I just think it's one of those matchups that sits up perfectly for Carson to get 20 to 25 carries and not only get the carries, but also punch one of them in for a touchdown and put up a good clip in terms of yards per carry. Who else are you looking at at running back this week? Mark Ingram, Ravens, kind of similar story to Carson, you know, heavily favored uh, against a really bad team. The Ravens are on the road in Miami. That's the, the one reason I'd put it slightly below Carson uh, in terms of the matchup. The Seahawks are at home. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, with the Ravens only keeping three running backs, there's a little bit less concern about someone like Kenneth Dixon poaching in. Uh, I think, obviously, Lamar Jackson stealing the touchdowns and yards on the ground is a concern, but I, I would see this as a game uh, from the Ravens' perspective where you're probably not going to break out all your crazy stuff with Jackson. Like, if you can limit him and limit his exposure to hits to, like, six or seven carries in this one, you should be able to win it without, you know, really beating him into the ground um, maybe in a few weeks, like against the chiefs, you need to bring out, bring out all the stops. But I think this week the, the power running game with Ingram up the middle should be able to get it done against the dolphins. There, there's a tough matchup I'm looking at here, Rams and Panthers. I mean, you got Gurley and you don't know what Gurley you've got. It sounds like he's healthy. So that that's good for Gurley owners out there, but you also got McCaffrey on the other side uh, for the Panthers. I mean, you're going up against two pretty good defenses in these teams, so that's going to be a little tough matchup for both those guys this week. Yeah, that's definitely one of the games that I've highlighted just in terms of uh, what will be the most fun to watch, uh, along with the Chiefs-Jaguars, Chiefs mm -hmm. mostly just for the Chiefs. I don't, don't care so much yeah. about the Jaguars. Yeah. Um, and then Packers-Bears. Yeah, for fantasy, I think there's... Um, I think that's kind of a... I think it'll be a pretty high-scoring game. Both teams, though, have Definitely respectable defenses. The Rams a little better than the Panthers, but the Panthers have home field. Uh, so there's not there's not necessarily one matchup that stands out huge for me there. Uh, I do think the Rams did a really good job against uh, wide receivers last year, and they're a little more – generally their defensive philosophy has been to shut down the outside. And if they give up some rushing yards or give up some passes to tight ends, they're okay with that. Uh, so that, to me, would tend to favor Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey over the wide receivers, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting because, you know, Moore and Samuel have been the guys with all the hype for the last couple months. And I'm, I'm not necessarily shooting that down. I just think that week one it's going to be like the, uh, the old reliable McCaffrey and Olson that are going to have the best matchups for the Panthers. And and that I did want to talk about that Chiefs Jaguars one because yeah with the Damian Williams situation now McCoy that that's interesting you got Fournette on the other side you know we're looking at running backs I also read this stat that I forgot about that the Chiefs have scored 25 plus points in 21 consecutive games uh, that's the uh, longest such streak in NFL history so they they've scored 25 plus ever since December 3rd of 2017. So, I mean, we know they're putting up points. I just didn't realize it was that consistent. And, 
I mean, this week, one matchup, they throw that Jags defense. We don't know what Jags defense we're going to get this year yet. So this is going to be a little tough go, I think, for Williams maybe in this week one. That that is really a remarkable stat. I had not heard that one. Yeah, I got that Um, right from the NFL, so I was surprised by that. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if the the Dolphins will put up 25 points more than once all season. Exactly. Um, (laughs) I I do think, you know, there's a shot that streak ends this week. Um, You know, the Jags. Jags defense is obviously was dominant two years ago and kind of fell back last year to just being like, you know, kind of good, not anything special. Uh, I tend to think it'll look a little more like last year than two years ago. Uh, looking at their, one of their top linebackers, Talvin Smith, taking a year off from football or retiring. It's not, not entirely clear what's going on there. And they've got a rookie third round pick Quincy Williams coming in for him. Obviously they've still got the pass rushers. They still got Jalen Ramsey. It's not going to be a bad defense, Uh, but, but certainly I think there'll be opportunity for Travis Kelsey over the middle of the field and for the running backs, uh, the way we saw the Jaguars struggle against Derek Henry and some other running backs last season. So I think this matchup could be, could kind of get some of that hype going again for Williams and certainly favor him and Kelsey over uh, McCoy and even Tyree Kill. I think we'll have to deal with Jalen Ramsey a lot. You know, Hill is, Hill is someone that if you drafted him, you're starting him every week, of course. Mm-hmm. I just think maybe there's a little bit less confidence this week knowing that he'll be facing Jalen Ramsey often. Yeah, and Jalen Ramsey wants to get paid. <laughs> we, uh, we, we he, all will, know that. he is going to get paid. He, he's going to get uh, paid, but showing up to camp in that Brinks truck, yeah, that he, he, <laughs> he's he's going to want to play good in the regular season. It starts here. Yeah. Once again, talking with Jerry Donabedian, RotoWire.com, and while we're on the wide receivers, who are some of those other ones you're looking at for Week One? I think the one to me that sticks out above all is Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. The Lions playing at Arizona. We just talked about how the Cardinals are probably going to throw the ball a lot, play at a fast pace, and that you know that creates more snaps on both sides of the game for both teams. And certainly, if there are some turnovers with the rookie quarterback and the bad offensive line, that can set up easy scoring opportunities for the other team. So it's kind of it's perfect situationally in those broader terms, uh, but also looking at the individual matchups. Cardinals have Patrick Peterson suspended for six weeks to be in the season. Their other projected starting quarterback, Robert Alford, suffered a broken leg. He's out for at least the first eight weeks. They've got a 31-year-old and a 21-year-old now as their starting cornerbacks, Tremaine Babrock and Byron Murphy. And that's just going to be a matchup, I think, that's too easy for the Lions to exploit. Uh, and we know Matt Patricia and Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, want to be a run-first team. But I think that's just one of those matchups where you look at it and you're like, wow, we can mm-hmm. we can easily take advantage of that. Like Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are much more talented than the guys will be lined up across from. And I got to ask you, too, about uh, Beckham. He going against this Tennessee uh, secondary for the Browns in that matchup. I, I think he, he could put up a big game this uh, coming on opening week, and obviously they're going to want to showcase him too. So I, I I really like Beckham this week for some reason. Yeah, no, I like Beckham too. Uh, the Titans haven't given up a ton of points or a ton of yards, but the one weakness has been the wide receivers. I think they gave up like the 10th most fantasy points and ninth most yards to wideouts last season, uh, whereas they were pretty much top of the league in terms of points allowed to every other position. Uh, they're sort of the opposite of one of these defenses that we might talk about, like uh, mm-hmm. Atlanta, that sort of uh, or it kind of funnels the targets toward the middle of the field. They kind of challenge you to beat their cornerbacks, Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson, and Logan Ryan. Uh, and Ryan is probably the most reliable of those three, and he plays the slot. So it looks like it could be a tougher matchup for Jarvis Landry. 
and an easier matchup for Odell Beckham. And on the other side of the Titans, I'm I'm really trying to trust Corey Davis. Uh, I know it's the third-year wideout deal. I mean, this can be a matchup that he can have a good game in, but I, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's the week one conundrum where you don't know. You want to believe in the guy, but uh, I, I, I hope to see it this week. Yeah, the Titans to me are, are like – Kind of the ultimate, like, I, I need to see it before I trust anything. Yes, yeah. There's certainly reason for Corey da- optimism when you talk about Corey Davis, Derrick Henry, even Delaney Walker coming back from injury. Uh, on the other hand, if, you know, Marcus Mariota is still the quarterback. Uh, you know, even when he's been healthy, he hasn't been great. I think we can say at this point that he's, you know, an, an average quarterback uh, and one who struggles to stay healthy. So there's just a lot of factors there. Uh, they went out and they got Adam Humphreys, the spot receiver in the offseason, and they drafted A.J. Brown. I think that Davis and Henry are still have enough talent to like kind of emerge above that pack, but it's, it's something I'm not I'm not really confident in at the moment. It won't surprise me, but yeah, Corey Davis in the week one lineup, uh, I think, you know, in, mm-hmm. in maybe a 12-team league, he's worth starting, but I, I no promises in terms of what you're going to get there. Yeah, and if you got to use him as a flex option as well, it's going to be really tough to do week one, not knowing. But, of course, he could blow up and have a huge game. So that's that's all the fun of it. I, I want to get your thoughts, too, of the Sunday nighter because that, that'll be interesting to see uh, with the Patriots and the Steelers, especially if we're talking about receivers. You know, Josh Gordon, we – we're trying to figure out where he is on the depth chart now. Obviously, Edelman's going to see his targets for the uh, for the Patriots. And on the other side, you know, we talked about it earlier with uh, some of that receiving core issues with the Steelers. So this this one will be – I'm wondering if it's going to be more of a run-heavy game or, I mean, obviously with Big Ben, they want to throw the ball a lot. So it, I, it'll, this is an interesting matchup I see week one. Yeah, these team, these two teams have generally done um, – their defenses have generally done a solid job against one another. Uh, but in terms of what they've tried to do, both teams definitely have favored the passing game, especially the Patriots against the Steelers. You know, the Steelers being a defense that pretty consistently the last five years have been tough against the run and just okay or below average against the pass. I, I still think guys like Sony Michelle and James Conner should be able to get their seasons off to a decent start. Certainly, Connor, considering his involvement in the passing game, Michelle, you don't really have that hedge there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of on the ground or nothing. I think it, think the matchup could work out really favorably for the Steelers' tight end, Vance McDonald, uh, with Antonio Brown and Jesse James, the other tight end gone. There's a lot of opportunity there for him. We know Bill Belichick is, does a really good job of taking away the best players on the other team. In that case, in this case, that would be James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't think anyone's going to question that. Uh, so, yeah, you look at it as an opportunity for guys like Vance McDonald, Ryan Switzer, uh, maybe, maybe Dante Moncrief, but I do think the Patriots, you know, they have really good cornerbacks, especially with Stephon Gilmore and good safety with Devin McCourty. Uh, so the shorter throws might be the Steelers' best path to that. Once again, talking to Jerry Donabedi and rotowire.com. Let's switch things over to the quarterbacks and not necessarily the top ranked ones, but uh, the middle of the pack ones. Maybe if you're playing daily fantasy, looking for a good value here at uh, quarterback for week one, who are you looking at, Jerry? There's really a lot of guys in that like middle pack this year where you're like, you could start them, you know, and but you're not necessarily going to start them every week. Like maybe, maybe 12 of those guys even. Uh, and, and this week, the two who I really like out of that pack more than I normally would are Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, both both facing soft defenses, both at home. Prescott against the Giants, cousin against cousins against the Falcons. I think in Prescott's case, you look at him benefiting from the Ezekiel Elliott holdout because now that it looks like Elliott is going to be back for Week One, he'll have his you know his best chess piece on the field, but probably not getting as many carries as he normally would. Uh, so I think the the Cowboys, and they've kind of been planning as if they don't know if they'll have Zeke back. I think they'll come out passing the ball a little more than we normally would see from them. And they're going to be doing that against a Giants defense that I think will be bottom five in the league last year. They really had one, one good pass rusher last year, Olivier Vernon, and traded him to the Browns for an offensive lineman, Zietler. I just think that I don't know how they're going to get pressure on him, especially with that. Cowboys offensive line being so dominant and then Cousins uh, facing an Atlanta defense that may be a little better than last year when they were a complete joke uh, but still just doesn't really have the depth to cover deal with Dalen and Diggs and Rudolph uh, and I know the Vikings are going to want to try to run the ball a little more this year but I think Cousins won't need a ton of pass attempts to put up two or three touchdowns in this matchup and then on the other side, Matt Ryan will be able to do something against Vikings defense, which is not a given against that defense. Uh, just enough to kind of keep the game competitive, and you know Cousins will have to keep passing the ball some into the fourth quarter. And some tight ends that you're liking as well uh, for the value they're at uh, going into Week One. One guy I love is Hunter Henry. I think I mean I think he's going to have a breakout season, uh, but but even more so like this week. Uh, the Colts were surprisingly good defense last year. I don't think anyone saw that coming before the year, but their one weakness was defending tight ends. They actually gave up 1,190 yards, which is about most in the league to tight end. Did a really nice job elsewhere, uh, but it's a team with good cornerbacks, good run defense. So really throwing over the middle of the field is the way you want to attack them. And I think that game, uh, even though the Chargers are pretty heavily favored, I just I think it's going to be a close game. I even would project the Colts to win by a field goal. So I think the Chargers are going to be in those situations where they need to pass the ball. They don't have Melvin Gordon, so they don't quite trust the running game as much as usual. And the Colts are able to do a good job on Keenan Allen in the slot with Kenny Moore, who they just signed to a big contract. Uh, so I just think Henry's going to get the target volume, and I think he's headed for a breakout season. He's a really good player. You did a write-up this week on team defense choices for week one. So uh, who are you liking in the in uh, defense for week one? And I know it sounds crazy, but team defenses and kickers are my favorite part of fantasy Are football. you kidding? Uh, <laughs> maybe not kickers. Maybe not kickers. I think I go team defenses, then I really like like the tight end quarterback matchup. But you're but, not uh, you're not a guy though that'll take them in like round eight or nine, right? Oh no, much the opposite. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I pick, I, that's why I like the defenses because I like the challenge of just playing the different matchups each week. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll stash a second one on my bench if they're playing, you know, the Dolphins or the Bengals the next week. Yep. Um, so yeah, I definitely am like a, a weekly streaming guy, and that's actually what my article on Rotowire is about, just like the, the top picks that are usually available on waivers each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for this week, the two that I really like are the Seahawks, although by now the, the you know they're quickly getting picked up in a lot of leagues because people are seeing what's going on with the Bengals, yep. seeing that the Seahawks are heavy favorites. And then the second one that's more widely available that wasn't drafted in a lot of leagues, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, home against the New York Giants, another heavy favorite, uh, maybe not quite as good of a matchup as that little Bengals, but still looking at you know the way the Dallas defense played down the stretch last year, getting into the playoffs, 
Uh, and now the Giants come in with better offensive line, but still Eli Manning at quarterback, Golden Tate suspended, no one else at wide receiver. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley will do what he does, but I, I don't see the Giants doing much else. So if you want some team defenses, your man is Jerry Donovan, and he's got it all breaking down. He's going to help you out. And two, you know, if you are playing Daily Fantasy, <laughs> I am one of the guys that, yeah, I'm looking at the $10 defenses, which one's going to have the best game. So, I mean, I'm with you on that streaming them next, from week to week. I, I agree with you on that one, trying to get the best value out there. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, I play on DraftKings a lot, and I'm not – not a fan of using one of the higher-priced defenses. Although this week, uh, you might argue that like the Seahawks and Ravens are such sure things in those matchups mm-hmm. uh, that you could do it. But I still think there could be more value with someone like the Cowboys, um, maybe even someone like the, this is really kind of digging deep, but the 49ers, I think, made yeah. some, some nice off-season moves. And the Bucks, even though we know they'll probably put up some passing yards, uh, and some points, they, you know, Jameis Winston, like a sack, fumble, and interception machine, and that's really what matters in terms of the defense scoring. Well, again, thanks for getting us all ready for week one, Jerry, and we'll talk to you again next week. Good luck this week. All right, good talking to you, Paul. Once again, rotowire.com's Jerry Donabedian. Yeah, you can check out all his great stuff he's got up right now. Again, rotowire.com, the NFL section. It is fantastic stuff, and again, Best of luck to you here in week one. Again, you can follow us at Draft That Guy on Twitter. We'll be uh, putting some stuff out during the games as well, interacting with you. So, again, you can always reach out to us. And, again, those sit and start questions, we'll take them. Draft That Guy on Twitter. Again, look for us there. Thanks for checking us out this week once again. And we'll be back with another edition ready for week two. Good luck this week. Opening weekend fantasy football. We are excited about it. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.